OTB GAA. And he threw his famous patented dummy hand pass because he's a big handballer with his right hand. And I literally moved into another parish. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. Delighted as well to say Fergus Farrell joins us in the studio. Good morning, Fergus. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm good. Thanks, William, for coming into us. You've got the shorts on. We've just been saying you're, you're a brave man. Um, fair play on a, on a cold uh, day like it is. Uh, people who have been watching the show with any sort of regularity will be familiar with your story. And uh, alongside Damien, obviously, you both set out from New York uh, a couple of months ago to Road to Galway. And we'll get into that story. And uh, there's plenty to it. How have you been over the last while, I suppose? Because you obviously your journey ended a bit... Um, earlier than you would have hoped. Yeah, uh, unfortunately my journey uh, ended uh, 14 days after I started. Um, but it took me a long time to recover from it. Uh, I don't know how Damien's doing it right now because mm. he was 112 days out in sea and he hasn't stopped going since he arrived. But for the first four or five weeks I was in absolute bits. Mm. Couldn't have no energy, no nothing. Uh, but now I'm flying it again, you know, uh, back training, back enjoying life. Um, yeah, so really, really going well now again. It must have been hugely disappointing, obviously, when that when the decision had to be made. Um, yeah, so obviously I've looked back at it many, many times, mm. and no matter how how I look at it, um, I still know uh, the right decision was made. But I cannot get over that uh, feeling of of disappointment, really, and being gutted. Yeah, because um, you know we we set our sets out to to. to to get a world record, 55 days, 13 hours and odd minutes. Mm. And up to that point, we were, I would say, on track to do it. Um, and then with me getting off the boat, it destroyed all chances, all hope. Um, so that for me is just gut-wrenching because we had put in such an effort uh, to put ourselves into that position. And then when when we got to the Gulf Stream um, and the boat started moving at four, five, six knots per hour with less effort, that's when I started failing, mm. which was, yeah, it was, it was... So you'd started to feel unwell a little bit almost for, for the pre- previous couple of days or was it more suddenly that it... Uh, it, was, it was a gradual thing, really, mm. uh, but over kind of two days. So I remember uh, the first... Day, now, look, because I was... Uh, look, I found it tough for all the time. I won't lie. Um, you know, there was nothing comfortable about it. There was nothing uh, easy about it. It was relentless. But I had myself geared up for that. But what I hadn't myself geared up for was having absolutely no energy and not knowing how to deal with that. Mm. And um, the heat was also something that I, I struggled massively with. But, say, about two days before I actually got um, taken off uh, Crush McCree, um, I started feeling, you know, lethargic, uh, getting deeper breaths, taking longer to recover. And so I started, because we hadn't been eating well, I, I, tr- I kind of forced more food down to me, see was it like, you know, was mm-hmm. it just energy I needed? And then I, then I said, right, I need to start drinking more water, see was dehydration, because when we went out on the Goa Bay uh, for two nights, uh, I was pretty much 40-odd hours. I remember I got a severe headache, and that was just pure de- dehydration. Right. So I was here going, maybe I'm not drinking enough water. I had been drinking loads of water, but I, I just took more water on board. That didn't help me. The food didn't help me. And this was over a course of a period of time. And then I went into the second night, and that's when I, I literally, poor old Demo, after his two-hour shift of getting good mileage in, 
I was getting on the on the on the seat to do my rowing, and I was doing nothing. I couldn't do anything. And literally, he get in the cabin. I'd row for a few minutes. I was falling over the oars. Uh, just no energy whatsoever. I wasn't sore anywhere. It was just there was nothing, no life to me. And I was deep breaths. And when I was trying to row, then I was doing two breaths per stroke rather than one breath. Mm. And then when I wasn't rowing, I was just really labour breathing. And then I'd lie down the deck, and. I don't know if you've seen the boat, but mm. there was absolutely no place in that deck you could lie that'd be comfortable. Mm. But I didn't care because I couldn't stay sitting up on the seat. So I just lie down there and there'd be something sticking in me somewhere, but I actually just didn't care because I was resting. And say maybe half an hour would pass by and I'd try and get back on the seat. And once I got back onto that seat, um, I was exhausted again. And then the last straw was, so there was a, a compass right in front of us uh, that I had to have lit up to see it. Now, I wouldn't have the best vision. Damien's really good vision, but um, a few days before, and there was no problems watching that or looking at it and making sure that I was rowing in the right direction. But for that last night, it was complete blur. I couldn't see it properly. So even to just keep the boat going in the right direction was becoming impossible because to see it, I'd had to get off the seat, get down, look at it, and by the time I was back up in the seat, sure, a wave would have come and I could have been, you know, I could have been turned anyway again. So mm. even that was just... Is, yeah. is there a, like a level of frustration? I'd, I'd imagine there is a level of frustration with that, Fergus, as well, because you know better than anyone what your body's capable of. So mm. when your body's almost betraying you like that <clears throat> at the time when you've, you've revved it up to, to, to not do that, it mm. must be quite, quite um, frustrating is, is probably a decent word to use. Um, so... That's a good question. Yeah, there is a frustration, but I, I think the frustration was more around um, not knowing why I couldn't do it. Because, as I said, like leading up to this, I'd done plenty of own and um, I'd done a lot of, lot of, um, a lot of fitness, a lot of weight training. Uh, I thought I had, you know, from my accident going back uh, uh, in in two thousand eighteen, and I suppose this is my first ever uh, mammoth challenge to. And I thought I had my body prepared and trained and my mindset, you know, everything boxed off to take on this challenge. But when I look back at it now, you know, maybe I should have, because obviously Damien, you know, he's been doing Everest, you know, uh, the Seven Summits, uh, many, he's rode another ocean, he's done, you know, um, the Marden Sablas, so many different things, and he's been building up the resilience in his body, mm. whereas I've come off um, having a spinal cord injury into one of the biggest challenges you can do in, in, uh, to, for mankind. So maybe when I look back on it, I should have maybe done some smaller challenge to build up that resilience to see where I was. But I just thought, like, um, because of what I came through and um, I felt very strong and I felt very good and the training and everything, the mindset was great. I thought I just could do it and I could nail it. But but maybe just the body just gave up. I honestly don't know. Like for people who maybe are unfamiliar with that story, like mm. the, the accident in, in 2018, I mean, to even to get in a boat and, and attempt to do this was yeah. was quite remarkable. And even to, to last, I know it's no consolation, but yeah. through two weeks in the Atlantic rowing, uh, considering what you went through, you might just tell people who maybe aren't familiar with that story what, what happened there. Okay. Um, yeah, so 26th of October 2018, um, very simple workplace accident. I was lifting a metal bench, um, picked, up, picked it up with another guy, and uh, in an instant... Rupture my T9, T10, and T11, and uh, one of those discs uh, leaked into my spinal cord and severed my spinal cord by 90%. Well, they call it pinching. 
and uh, left me completely paralysed and I was classed as a grade A spinal cord injury uh, and I was rushed up to the Mallor Hospital um, got emergency surgery done and ultimately I was told from that point onwards that um, I was going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and that um, you know what the medical uh, profession were going to do for me was make my life as comfortable as possible uh, and, and that was it and after that I was I was given a stat that um, 5% um, the stat was if you get movement after 72 hours uh, you have a 5% chance of gaining some sort of strength right some strength not walking just strength in your mm. uh, movement um, I didn't get into that after 72 hours and after um, 21 days I'll never forget it up down the the uh, St. Finbar's in Galway because I'd been transferred down to Galway waiting for my bed in the NRH I moved my big right toe uh, it's like one or two o'clock in the morning and I was here going am I hallucinating or what yeah. is it going on and I had to wait until like seven o'clock in the morning before a person came around I was like all oh, night going is that moving you know and so from there on I was I took off and thankfully I said I'm here I was able to walk into you today and have this chat and mm. like when, when something's taken away from you uh, you realise how much um, it is to you mm. you know it's so Hence why I've done this, tried to take on this challenge. I want to try and show people that don't ever give up on yourself. Push yourself as hard as you can because you're the only person who's going to do it. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have physios, you're going to have doctors around you, you'll have uh, everybody around you helping you. But if you don't want to do it, they're not going to force you to do it. So that was why I took on this challenge was to show people like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do if you have the right mindset and you apply yourself correctly. Can you take us back to the night? So you talk about the, and it's really important that you've given the context of where you're coming from because, yeah. uh, as Shane said, it really puts the achievement in in uh, in good uh, context. Take it back to the night where it was the night, wasn't it? Where you were, where you finally began to say, "Listen, this is just not happening for me. It's not working out." I presume you tried to fight that initially, as you said, for the first little while, and then it comes to a point where you're like. That's it. I'm going to have to talk to him now. Is that yeah. how it happens? Or yeah, it was um, because I was uh, uh, like he was going into the cabin because literally our changeover was like within like you get the ten minute call right, um, wake up get and you literally ready, yeah, yeah get yourself ready, yeah. get out and you're back in and especially at night it was just like literally you wouldn't see each other at all. You're like hi, how are we getting on? Hmm. And you know so, but I was I was um, like during that time. I was just, I, I was just, there was nothing, I, I thought if I, okay, I'll rest here for half an hour and I'll get my energy back and I'll go and then the next two hour shift that I was meant to be rowing again after going into the cabin and trying to sleep in the cabin, um, I thought, you know, over those periods of times I'd build up my energy again, you know, whereas when I was meant to be rowing, I wasn't rowing, so that extra bit of rest and then going back into the cabin for those it would start building my, you know, I get a bit of energy back and the extra food. And then the last straw was I, I got a, a big chocolate bar and a big bag of uh, Harry Buzz mm. just to give me this instant spike. And again, just flat, nothing. nothing. At that stage, then I said, and then obviously my mind started chasing. I'm here going, what's going on with me? Mm. You know, and the last time I felt um, this type of, really struggling to breathe was I was in again I was in the Mallor Hospital was, I got blood clots in my lungs mm. about a week after I got the operation because I was still in the bed you know mm. and um, 
about a day before that, I just remember that real struggling to breathe. Now, totally different scenario as to uh, the mm. boat, you know, but I was remember that real struggling to breathe and just not never seemed to have enough oxygen. That was exactly how I felt on the boat. Mm. Whether that was from anxiety or uh, stresses, I have no idea. But uh, I just remember that stage, I kind of, um, I said, demo. Um, well, before I, I, I woke up, it was around six o'clock in the morning. It was just getting uh, um, light, you know, it was just beginning to come into daylight. And I, I got up and I went into the uh, where we had our medical kit mm. and I'd bought all the medical stuff. So I had an idea. We had something like this to test myself. Mm. So I went in and just looked at it and straight away I seen the rain and it said 86. And I went, oh, sh- sugar. Um, <laughs> I went, oh, no, because Anthem Blow 96 is a dangerous okay. level, cl- clot, blood clotting level. Yes. Anthem Blow that. So I was at 86. And I was going, oh, no. so I, I woke up Demo and I uh, said, Demo, there's something going on here. And I told him the crack with the blood clots and how I knew what the reading should be and all this type of stuff. And I gave him the the, the instrument to check your oxygen levels and he read uh, 98 straight away. Now, when I put it back on about five minutes later, I was back up to 88, but I didn't climb from there. And I was literally at this stage, I was like, and even to get in the cab and rant like that was just a huge mission. So things just started going through my head as you're, no, I can't be getting blood clots out here. Because mm. once you have blood clots, supposedly you're more prone to getting them again. Okay. And the thing is, because I've this reduced sensation in my legs, my circulation of my blood wouldn't be as good as what, say, yours would be. Mm. So again, blood clots arise from being... I suppose, having still in one position. Now, I know we're rowing all the time, but it was still in the one position. Yeah. So, again, all this thing was going through my head, and I was going, I have three kids at home. And I always said, I'm taking on this challenge, but one thing I'm not going to do is put my life at risk. Mm. And you felt it was, obviously, at that point? Um, uh, well, I don't know what I felt at the time, to be honest with you. Mm. I, I, I was not thinking straight at all. Uh, and was the conversation was it, so? You say, listen, you're you're both playing this out, and then you, you both come to the conclusion, or you're like, listen, who who says it, or how does that come about? Where you're like, right, it's done. Uh, well, we so when we had the when I told Damon the crack, um, I told him the history and what I'm feeling. Uh, he was going, oh man, we have to ring Chris Martin or on mm-hmm. on 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 on. Ground sport, and he's a world famous ocean rower, and he, you know, really well respected man in in the ocean rowing industry, you know. Mm. So straight away got to phone, rang him up, uh, put me through to him. I told him the symptoms, and he goes, "Okay, this is not good." And then he said, oh, "Hold, hold on there. I'll put you through to a maritime doctor." So, like you know, five minutes later, we got the phone call, and the maritime doctor gave him the symptoms. At that stage, I just had in my head, okay, maybe what they'll say to me is, you know, come back in six hours with the readings, mm. maybe 12 hours, and then 24 hours, or something like that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, mm. But after I gave them the readings, gave them my history, uh, they kind of go, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, this is not a decision I can make. Mm. And after I said that to them, the doctors went, you're gone. Like, not even 30 seconds. Mm. You're gone, you're finished. Mm. It was just that flash, that straight, yeah. you're done. So you, you obviously try to get find out is there a boat nearby and yeah. eventually you get this massive cargo ship that comes yeah. in and lifts you away and you go off to New York and yeah. you get you go into hospital at that point and they run all the tests I presume and yeah no so that's so we didn't I actually didn't go into hospital right, in New York because okay. number one um, 
because my spinal injury, uh, health insurance doesn't cover a lot. Okay. I think the travel insurance doesn't cover a lot because I've a lot of pre-existing conditions. So, number one, there's very little point in me having health insurance travel, no matter mm. what, because the laws put it down as pre, uh, yeah, you know, conditions. Yeah. yeah, and also the expedition wasn't insurable. Okay, so I had no insurance. And that was obviously going through my mind as well in um, going back in the boat and said, oh, my God, I'm going to go into the hospital here now and um, it's going to co- I'm going to have a 20 or 30,000 euro of a bill coming out of it. And, you know, so that was going through my mind. I was in contact with Paul Cleary, a good friend of myself in Damos, who was in New York. And all fairness, now there's people back in Ireland working away as well to see what they could do. So it was actually Paul who organized a, a really good doctor. So I went to the doctor straight away when he picked me up. And uh, they took tests and things like that. And I just said to them, like, look, all I want to know is, am I safe to fly home? Mm. When I get home, I'll get, it, everything's get everything yeah. sorted. Yeah. You know, uh, so yeah. people give out about the health service in Ireland. But for me, I've never had anything but the highest of praise from it. Mm. Um, and the, the, uh, the auction had righted itself at some point? And uh, no, I was still struggling, really, really right. struggling with the auction. So I think, so they gave me oxygen in the boat. Um, because it was a it was a brand new it was only eighteen months old this oh, cargo right. this um tanker which again I was so lucky because I heard some very bad stories about some old tankers yeah. um so uh, I got auction levels and they got me up to I think it was ninety two percent um and they got up really high once they had the auction mask on me but once it took off and then once I was without it for a while. I dropped down okay. again. So, and again, there was no medical experts on board. So all they were doing was taking readings mm-hmm. and things like that and give me whatever to keep me fresh. So um, when I got there, uh, like, I, this is what I don't understand. Like, Damien's after coming off 112 days in the ocean and he's functioning like nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. For four to five weeks, I was struggling massively. Now, um my blood oxygen levels is around 96, 97% now. Right. It should be 98, 99. So there's still, I'm still not fully there, but I can train, I can do all that type of stuff. But for a period of time, when I got off the boat, I just wasn't able to do anything uh, um, that took a physical uh, demand of me. Right. When you talk about Damien there, it's almost like robot comes to mind. Like it, it, those last number of days, and people have listened to the Deep Roots podcast and stuff will have got a sense of this anyway, but... Was there tension on the boat? Was it was it causing any disruption between the two of you? The fact that it, you know Damien was, uh, I guess, feeling feeling okay and feeling grand yeah. in comparison, but did that cause any kind of tensions on on the boat itself? No, that's the, that's the surprising thing. Like, I, I, like um, prior to me doing the departure, um, so the first few days was a massive learning curve because we never got to do the, you know, we sh- we we should have tried to have got out for like a week over the continental shelf over Ireland to you know get a good uh, learning experience of what it was like to be on a little boat on your own out there but well, unfortunately we didn't get that opportunity mm. um, so for the first week um, when we were really pushing hard and trying to get the kilometres uh, the nautical miles underneath the belt um, I was doing all of my learning as well so I found that first week Difficult, very difficult, because uh, the amount of times I banged my head off the side of the boat was just mm. crazy, um, and the amount of times I burnt my hands from just you know the the jet boil and trying to put it into the sachets mm. for for the food. But um, as that week passed, then I was getting more comfortable, mm. and he, I think even Damien was like, like I said, like, he could see that I was actually beginning to mm. settle into a routine and everything like that, and. Like up to that last two days, I, I probably had my best day just beforehand. 
I was feeling great. Mm. I was feeling brilliant. I was going, okay, I'm beginning now to get into the swing of things. And then got into the Gulf Stream, and that's when things started getting a little bit easier. Now, there's nothing easy, by the way, mm. but a little bit easier. And that's when I started failing. Mm. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of gut-wrenching because that, there's, that first block is really, really difficult. You know, and you get into the Gulf Stream and then you get that little bit of assistance bring you up towards Ireland and you're, you're going from one to two knots per hour to the next minute four, five, six knots per hour. And that's when I start failing, and that's yeah. that's. But there was no no there was no tension as such. I think Damien was was quite quite good to me that way, you know. There's a there's a serious mental aspect to it as well, and and like uh, there's the famous photographs of of just leaving Manhattan with the with the night yeah. skyline in the background, which is just insane when you think yeah. of the distance that was to go. Did that was there any a point maybe when you see the skyline behind you where you're like Jesus, the, the enormity of the task is laid bare in front of you. Like the next time we touch land, we'll be in Galway. <sighs> Um, no, I don't let myself think of it that way. Um, I was just there to do it day by day by day. And the funny thing is people often say to me is like, uh, you know, did you ever feel unsafe? And there was not one day I was out in that ocean whereby I felt unsafe on that boat. Right. And I don't know why, I, but I just never let myself think that way. Do you know, and that was the same with, uh, I just remember having Manhattan and the background and my thought was, Good luck, see you again, mm. you know. It wasn't about, oh, the next time I see land. I, I just, I, I wasn't thinking that way at all. I don't know why. Uh, it just wasn't in my mindset thinking that the next time I'll see somebody else or land was going to be, you know, 55 days later. I, I just never, I don't know why. I just never thought that way. Mm. Um, what changed into that there was when we were chatting to Damien last week, he was, he was and I had listened to a load of the pods um, mm. and over that, first couple of weeks and I don't know how aware you were of what he was chatting about on the pod or whatever if it was a soundproof situation but it seemed to me like there was a tension between the two of you that you know you were as you've said yourself like that and why would you not be your first ever like you say your first ever um, challenge of that nature and maybe you know um, I don't know struggling but certainly coming to grips with it Mm. mentally as much as anything else whereas he was like I want to get miles I want to get miles I want to get miles and you're like maybe you're in a slightly different space and that in itself is creating a bit of tension that was certainly the way he would maybe describe it when he was with us Um, well Personally, I thought I was actually um, really pulling out the stops in terms of the amount of mileage I was yeah. getting in. So I I didn't, again, I knew setting off that the first few weeks was always going to be a kind of a challenge because we're getting set into your routine and mm. we're both in very uh, uncomfortable surroundings and we're getting used to each other as, it is, as much as good mates and great mates we are. You know, the closest we ever slept beside each yeah. other was like uh, two single beds in a big yeah. bedroom, you know. So there was a lot of learnings to be done there. But for me, um, I, I, um, maybe on his side, maybe he, he thought I was I was lacking. But I know from my side, I knew Demo wouldn't be lacking, you know. So I didn't have to have that mindset. But maybe, but also I knew I was giving my all. Yeah. So I was very comfortable where I was and I knew Damien as his nature would be given his all as well. Mm. So for me, um, I didn't have that sense of uh, as tension or anything like mm. that. May, maybe, I, uh, I think he preluded to it, that he had that tension on me, mm. um, but I didn't definitely didn't have, have it another way because, look, he's, he's done it. I knew he'd be doing it, and I knew I was given absolutely every bit I could give. Yeah. The other thing he mentioned was um, the, he had, when you got off, uh, he felt his anger 
Yeah. So he sped for like, he basically said until he got into Galway Bay that he had this yeah. residual anger, which I guess on one level is, um, like I put it to him, it's a big, that's a big emotion to have towards yeah. somebody. And on one level, I mean, I guess it's understandable. You, I know you sat down to do a, you were doing an interview for the documentary, whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you sat, do you, do you sit down? Cause it's definitely obvious, right? Chatting to you here this morning that the two of you, you're clearly best mates, but you're on two different paths in terms of, uh, some of the experiences, which again is like, I mean, we, any three people you put in a room, two people you put in a room, you have a conversation, you leave. Sometimes people leave with totally different perceptions of it. Yeah. But have you got a chance to sit down away from the limelight and sort of pick through stuff? Or is that, is your relationship just, that's, you don't need that. You're just good, good friends and you, that's not required almost. Okay. So just, uh, you're on about different paths and things like that. So my, my, my path was, um, it's not a chosen path. It was a path that was uh, ordained by, my accident, okay? Yes, so, yeah. Um, I'm going through this through default, really. Um, whereas, say, Damien's is a chosen path and he's very driven and very focused and what he wants to achieve and so on. Whereas, obviously, I was kind of thrown into it and then I obviously discovered that I really like challenge and so on. Mm. So, obviously, our mindsets are a little bit different, you know? Um, and we, we understand that. Um, so, in relation to... Um, uh, how to say, um, like, so we haven't sat down himself himself mm. over a cup of coffee, over a pint, mm. and had a chat about all these things yet. Because mm. number one is Damien's absolute flat out yeah. with all the engagements and everything yeah. like that. But it's funny now you said that because this morning, because uh, he was coming up to he was something in the mansion house this mm. morning, and we came up in two different cars. So I rang him around half seven and said. Are you up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, he, 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 yeah, because we're obviously at that function together last night. Yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, I'm just in leak slip now. And I said, oh, you're okay. The traffic's fine. And at that stage, I said, look, at, well, we had a chat about other things. And then I said, look, Damon, when you're finished, I'm in Dublin. I'm flying out this evening, so I'm hanging around. Mm. When you're finished, he's going to Donegal. Mm. I said, we'll grab a coffee. Yeah. And it was the first time we'll be able to sit down away from everybody, not down in Gaul where people yeah. were going into demo. Like, you know, people come from, like they'll be 100 metres away and they'll see Damon they'll make a beeline for him. You know? It's hard to miss. That's yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so the first time we'll have yeah, a chat. No, we'll go into uh, a deep, meaningful conversation. Probably not. Yeah. But just the first time we'll actually sit down and say, you know, well done or yeah. whatever we need to say, yeah. you know. But no, we haven't. We haven't. Oh, you will. You'll get the chance to do it. Exactly. It's just not the time. It's, it's funny when I think about like a Damien's story and, and even the, the way the last night panned out, you're thinking, right, for whatever about the documentary, there's a movie in this, you know? And <laughs> uh, But but more to that, there's, there's like, your story is, is a massive part of it. And like, people, yeah. a lot of people wouldn't have realized mm. Mac's story and what happened to you as well. Mm. Um, like, when you talk about, you know, maybe you, you, you could have picked a, a smaller challenge, not smaller challenge, but a different challenge to, to start as your first one yeah. do you have like an idea of where you go from here what, what's next um, I've thought about it several times um, now look as I said I have three young kids um, I, I, I'm busy enough with work um, and I do want to do something um, and I want to do it more in the sphere of raising money and awareness um, than anything else but what I want to do I still don't know because nothing has kind of grasped me and say, that's what I want to do. Mm. But for me, the next project I want to do, so if I can say at the time I, I walked across the country a year after my operation or my accident, um, that was my project and I was able to do it from start to finish mm-hmm. and I loved it because I'm, I'm a self-employed person. I've always been somebody who just 
grabs things and goes with it and you know controls them start to finish whereas this project project power i was complete opposite mm. and you I were the strugg- co-pilot yeah and yeah. i struggled with that at times and mm. um, so the next project i want to do is and i will do something but i said i nothing's grasped me yet mm. um but uh, i'll be doing it um you know that will be I, i'll take ownership of yeah. it myself and that I, I can look back at it with 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 a lot of pride and yeah. and obviously something that i can complete <laughs> yeah well look at I, I think on that front i think you can absolutely look back on i think shane nailed it earlier on when he said given your journey mm. and like it wasn't how you would have designed it obviously to yeah. set out but you yeah, i mean two weeks mm. wrong in the atlantic is a serious it's, achievement so i mean you should take that from it and yeah. um and be sure that whatever you're up to the next time will you give us a shout and come in and we'll um we'll pick through it with you again Fair play, look. best luck with the coffee as well a demo yeah thanks very much if a black eye after <laughs> I don't know who might end up with a black eye on that one but thanks a million for no, cheers thanks, thanks for coming thanks in loads of lovely comments okay. coming in as well um, to say well done OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember effortless shave magnificent mode.